Rangers and Angel Grove residents, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my fresh haircut, dashing young man co-host, Kennedy. How's it going today, brother? Go, go, Alien Rangers! Shut the fuck up. I want to start off by saying, listen, I know that last episode we were very, very angry about the Alien Rangers, but, or at least as the, that whole mini arc or mini season, if you will, but we're going to start off pretty positive here because you know what? Season three was pretty pog, dude. Like overall, yeah. if you discount Alien Rangers, season three had to be the most consistent season of Power Rangers that we've watched so far. Oh, easily. Easily. It, it seems like it slid downhill just a little as it went, but it was still so consistent overall. Yeah, really incredible. You start with just a, a pretty strong beginning of Ninja Quest, which of course we covered in the whole episode. From there, you go through a lot of like pretty strong storylines where you get to see a lot of the characters shine in different ways and be treated to a lot of like relatively interesting villains stop the hate master great potion notion great changing of the zords maybe not as great but still pretty good a lot of just just like solid moments through the early season and then leading up to stuff like a different shade of pink which is a huge kind of like mid-season-ish you know change of the pink ranger you know we're, we're finally kim is finally leaving and cat is being well, she's not being introduced here. She's introduced originally in um, the Ranger catastrophe. And then that's like kind of an ongoing thing. But yeah, I, it's like there's a lot of just really good stuff is what I'm getting at. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at here. You know, like all of these plot points that I'm talking about are pretty solid. And a lot of these episodes and story arcs are like really strong and enjoyable and handled really well. This season, smashing the patriarchy. I will say this is probably the, like, girls rock season. Like, chicks rule, boys drool season because the pink and the yellow ranger give a lot of time to shine in this yeah. season. Especially, mm -hmm. especially the pink ranger with Kimberly and subsequently her uh, replacement, Kat. And, like, let, let's just get into it. So, yeah. Ninja Quest, we already gave it, like, a 5 out of 10 with just the critique that... There's a lot of moments that were extremely unnecessary, but we came out of it very hopeful with the introduction of Ninjor and a lot of plot elements of seemingly like strong writing coming mm -hmm. out of there. Then we get treated to the uh, Stop the Hate Master, which is something that we talked about in our best, uh, our best and worst episode where Aisha gets her time to shine under Incredible. the sun as she battles cultural appropriation and classism off the jump already we're starting amazing right because like stop the hate master i i know i mentioned part one but that's like combined together that's still like a nine out of ten two-parter traditionally like that sort of two-parter that they introduced dude tell me not if this was like season two or season one this would be like a three-parter with yes. a bunch more of like unnecessary bullshit added in between yeah, a so, lot of really unnecessary shit in the middle. Like a whole just thing where like Aisha can't get the Rangers to like get in the same room or something because they're all mad at each other. And like that's the main hinge point of a whole episode. Like that would be like the, the episode, the lost episode two of Stop the Hate Master. <laughs> I want to see Billy roast more people like that though. So I mean, maybe I would love to see a part three in that in that three-part arc. If I, got to, <laughs> if I got to see everyone roast each other more, that would be hilarious. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely loved Stop the Hate Master. It had a very inspired villain that didn't feel like a cash grab or a toy grab there. The Potion Notion, probably the most ultimate fan service episode. I know when we were talking about it, we were very horny. And I think even if you disregard our horniness, it's just funny. It's a funny as fuck premise that I guess kind of teetered a bit of being problematic but not overboard, comparatively speaking. And I think even uh, the, then, like, they kept it pretty PG with it all. 
Ah, oh, so you're making it sound like we were horny out of nowhere. That was a horny piece of television. <laughs> like, you can't comment on it without talking about horny subjects because that's all the episode is. But it's fun. It's it's definitely uh, a lot of kids shows look for different ways to kind of a- address the idea of youthful relationships. And I actually think like from just a really like big picture perspective, this episode does a really good job. Um, we talked about this in our best and worst, but I just want to touch on it again of just, you know, the moment uh, at the end where Kimberly and Skull kind of make up and decide to be friends. That's some really positive shit, you know? So like Potion is the notion, I, you know, I always like to to like give credit to certain episodes that like actually teach good values to children, you know? And like Potion is the notion, not only is it one of the funniest episodes of the Power Rangers ever made, but it has really good values. Like I would gladly show this to a child as like, here, learn something about, you know, treating people badly and then getting over it or, you know. It has a good moral lesson at the end. At the end, yes. But like the rest of the episode is extremely horny. (laughs) I mean, we've talked about this before on this show. But kids are horny too, and the creators of Power Rangers definitely seem to know this at times. Yeah, especially with the treatment of Kimberly's character, I would say. Well, also Tommy, though, so much fan service. Oh, dude, like, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> I guess they had to throw something to the teens as well that were watching, because it is like you got to understand too. This was like one of the first like live action, like action genre TV shows for children. Yes. Or quote-unquote yes. children and preteens, I suppose. Then we kind of go into a ranger catastrophe. This is where we're introduced to the cat character and Rita's plan of essentially abducting someone, brainwashing them, and giving them the power to transform into a cat to be able to infiltrate the rangers and cause distrust among them, as well as like ha- help hatch a cacock plans of Rita and Zed's doing. So uh, I we need to talk about this a bit in depth because mm. my god Tommy bro <laughs> <laughs> There's a moment in here where as a human being Cat goes up to Tommy and is like hey I am having trouble with my car could you come help me out with it and Tommy's response is Uh, I think you should go get a mechanic. And this whole time, like, he's there at the youth center waiting for Kimberly for a date, mind you. Kat's like, yeah, but you're a big, strong man. I'm sure you can help me out. (laughs) And Tommy's like, you you just see, like, Tommy look back, and then it cuts to the next scene. And you're just like, bro... So then Tommy, uh, turns out Tommy, uh, fixes the car and then, uh, Kat's all like, well, do you, he was like, man, you have like a really nice car. Kat's like, yeah, you want to test drive it? He's like, I shouldn't. I'm actually like waiting on somebody. And she's like, oh, well, I mean, you can do it if you want. And Tommy's like, he again, gives like a look and then the, it cuts to the next scene. And the next thing you know, (laughs) Tommy is driving her car with her in the passenger seat and then they get abducted. And if I was Tommy, I would be shitting myself right now. <laughs> My man's is caught red-handed driving a gr- like a different girl's car while he was supposed to be waiting on a date with Kimberly. And not that we should, like, normalize, like, toxic jealousy or anything, but seriously, this is really bad. Yeah. Like, 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 really, like, god damn it. This is, I mean, it's funny. It's very funny to watch. Um, <laughs> Tommy's, like, he's just a playboy this season. It's, like, all of Billy's, like, yeah, I fuck energy from last season. Tommy was, like, that's supposed to be my energy in season three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he embraces that sort of like toxic toxic masculinity more in this season. You start to see him exhibit more less than I am the moral supreme behaviors 
in this season because like he gets yeah. impatient sometimes with people and all this other stuff and he's just like i don't, I don't want to be wasting our time if we're gonna if we're gonna fight we're gonna fight if we're not gonna fight then let's just fucking get on with this you know in rage of catastrophe yeah. 2 part 2 you know kimberly kimberly catches tommy red-handed in like this dark dimension with this cat character doesn't like question it or anything she's like oh nothing happened everything's a-okay you know, Tommy wouldn't do that sort of thing. And I'm like, he drove another woman's car. You know, like, I understand, like, Tommy fixing someone else's vehicle, and that's, like, not okay to get jealous over. But it was very clear, like, Cat was, like, flirting. Right. That's the thing. Is That's what I want to make. It's not like he just drove her car. Because, like, there could have been, like, it could have been, like, oh, Tommy and Cat are, like, meeting up before school. And Cat's like, hey, would you drive my car? And Tommy's like, sure. And... She tosses him the keys and there's nothing to it, right? Yeah, it's like, not like in, she's like, I'm not feeling like, well. Can you drive me home? It's like, yeah. no, 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 no. She's like, hey, you want to drive my car? Yeah, it's like, you want to drive me around? You want to go? You're, it's, 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 she's basically like, it's in a very, she's basically just in a very weird at way asking, you want to go somewhere? Like, you want to get out of here? Like, <laughs> you know? Meanwhile, you Tommy wanna... is waiting on Kimberly for, for a date. And he's like, yeah, I could could drive around really quick or whatever. I could take it for a test drive. Yeah, that's what makes it so... It's the fact that he's waiting for a date and she's just being so sleazy and he's into it that makes it so damning. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, and obviously, you know, like, the, the villains and stuff this time around are pretty good because Rita, I think overall, like, even before we get into Master of Vile towards the end of the season... Rita and Zed are doing a really good job with getting dubs. Yeah. The Rangers are constantly on their toes, right? Because in changing of the Zords, they basically have to get new Zords because they've got the Crane Zord. Like, Zed yeah. has the Crane Zord. Zed ends up capturing Ninjor successfully and keeping him in a vase of sorts. Yeah. Zed is coming out of these encounters with the Rangers with absolute W. The changing of the Zords I was very interested in because we've seen a lot of different power-ups here. And with the, you know, the new Ninja Zords or whatever, we critiqued it before in the Ninja Quest episode, but it's not very good, right? They end up changing to the Shogun Zords midway through the season. And it seems like it's almost kind of like an act of desperation to increase viewership. Oh, well, you know, the season's not doing so hot uh, in terms of viewership, so let's go ahead and introduce new things constantly, right? And we see that with the changing mm-hmm. of Zords is like kind of like our first instance. Even though yeah. I thought that the Ninja Ranger stuff was really cool, and I'd actually like to see more of the Ninja Zords as well, despite me not liking the design. It just seemed yeah. like individually those Zords had pretty cool powers. In the yeah, change- agreed. In- yeah, and in the changing of the Zords, uh, Zed kind of has them by the balls and is trying to like get them to pilot these new Zords for his doing. The Rangers end up coming out on top. But for the most part, Zed still has the upper hand and he's just like biding his time, trying to find out the good moment to strike, right? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely feels really different from like... It feels more like season, like the first half of season one, Rita's attitude again, in a way. Like season two, Zed, when he's first introduced, he feels so wimpy. And like we made fun of him excessively in all of our season two episodes because he felt like a fucking dork. But season three, Zed seems to be like a new man. Um, like, uh, uh, you know maybe he finally like settled into married life and like got a new sense of confidence or something. I don't know, but like (laughs) um, something has changed in Zed in in between seasons two and three, it feels like season three Zed, it feels a lot more serious. Um, And like, he's really like, he's here to win. Like you say, and like, he's just kind of waiting for the right moment to take them out. Cause like, Season three, Zed seems to recognize that he's not like infinitely stronger than the Power Rangers. He can't just take them out like willy nilly. You know, they're tough. They're resilient. They're smart. They'll get the better of him if he's not careful. And he recognizes that. And so he's trying to plot one step ahead of that now, which is like different than before. And he actively goes to Earth 
this time around too. He doesn't just stay in his throne on the moon. He goes to Earth and will say like, bro, I've got you guys on watch right now. So if you don't do what the fuck I say, it's over. It's lights out. You know? Yeah. He, he actively threatens them in person sometimes. Like, it's pretty pop. Yeah. I, I like it yeah. a lot. Again, a lot of these episodes, we didn't mention it, but even like a Ranger Catastrophe and Changing of the Zords, these are like seven or eight out of ten episodes, you know? It's not a bad yeah. time at all. Yeah. It's definitely like keeping us like, yo, we want to keep watching for the next the, the next episodes, you know? It's also safe to say, like, before we get too far deep into season three, as we start to enter the back half of it, the ninja ranger powers, I love them. Every time yes. we get into a hand-to-hand -hand combat sequence with the Tangas and the, the Ninja Rangers, every single time, it's pretty awesome because they're doing, like, magic power shit, you know, where they're, like, warping to and fro. They do a ninja clone jutsu prior to Naruto coming out. Everyone seems to have their own type of powers and trickery, it seems like, from all the different colors. Yeah. And they're just having a fun time. It looks like they're having fun on screen. Everybody looks like they're having fun. Similarly, a lot of the villains felt really well fleshed out this season in terms of their specific powers and abilities and things. We've already kind of touched on this a little bit, but in particular, I want to call attention to Rito. Uh, Rito Revolto, what a what a surprisingly good character. Yeah, you know, I was expecting like, him to be bad. I mean, your first glimpse of him, you definitely are kind of expecting trash because he's very silly. He's very goofy. But, you know, if you let go of that a little bit, just remind yourself, this is a children's show. He's a children's show villain. Come on, be real, you know, and then actually, like, pay attention to the way his character acts. His character is great. He's, he's one of the legitimately funnier villains at times. He's also, like, he comes up with interesting plots of his own and like he sort of has his own weird schemes and motivations and things that he's interested in. And uh, he's just like a really like he feels like a really good addition to that, like sort of behind the scenes villain world that uh, I'm always talking about, like that I, I really love getting like glimpses into that and like how like, you know, Power Rangers really spent a lot of time with the villains and that like especially with the introduction of Rito it's like we spend a lot of time with the villains this season and it's in ways that are like all over the map from like quirky family drama amongst the villains to like you know interpersonal like more like head workplace sort of like butting heads type like almost like the office or something i don't know it just goes all over the place with like their dynamics and i really enjoyed it um i thought rito in particular added a lot to the dynamic of the behind the scenes villain crew yeah i towards the end of the season my wife told me she was like i like rito <laughs> i like seeing him on screen and interact with everyone he's a lot of fun and i i have to agree he is a lot of fun to watch and He's not just a one-dimensional, like, oh, every time I'm on screen, I fuck up whatever plot Zed's doing. Because even towards the end of this season, like, Zed's like, Rito, I'm going to incorporate you into this plan. You can do this. And Rito's like, hell yeah, I can. Let's go, you know? And there's definitely a few times where we see Rito, like, doing everything right and everybody else letting him down. Or, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's not presented as, like, completely incompetent. It's also so. safe to say, like, he was also really smart with the Tangas. Yeah. Because the Tangas, like, they're not just, like, putties to, like, surround people with or just attack. They're smart enough to help out with plans. That was a good kind of, like, side character thing. Yeah, Rito brings the Tangas, and it's, like, he is bringing this, like, new basic warrior that is way above the level of, like, the putties. It's, like, this major, like, boon. It's this huge gift to... Uh, Zed and Rita basically and their plans um, we talked about the Tangas a little bit at the beginning of the season but let's talk about them a little more now because like we've seen the whole thing and I just I mean mostly though I'm just going to reiterate they're so good like as the new basic villain dude they would um, squash the Equation Rangers like they, they were I mean, only there once they were yeah. like in, in the entire miniseries Zed only used the Tangas once and when he did use the Tangas once, fucking destroyed them. Yeah. 
Because all the Tangas were there to do was to destroy their rehydration machine that Billy invented for a single one-shot episode. And the, the Cestro couldn't, couldn't beat them. The power levels of the Equation... I, I know, like, we've already got done talking about <laughs> Alien Rangers, but, like, the power levels of the Equation Rangers is substantially weaker than the Ninja... Like, the Ninja Ranger power-ups. Like, all... Yeah. The power levels skyrocket in this season, and when we go back to the Alien Rangers, it feels like a debuff. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But yeah, I, I um, like the Tangas. I, I, I think I've mentioned before, I like the theme song, and then as the season goes on, they stop playing the theme song, but what they do is instead, they play the instrumental, which is also still really good, because it's not like as power metal-y as like the intro theme song is, where you know like when you hear that... You're like, oh fuck yeah. The the Power Rangers are gonna fuck shit up. You hear the Tanga yeah. instrumental, and the Tangas still come out with dubs. Like yeah. they, they, they know they when get to a lot retreat. Of wins. Yeah, they mm -hmm. know when to retreat. They they fly away when they have to fly away. And uh they know very they have really good survival instincts. It's not like the 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 putties where like the putties just they're just there to exist. For as long as possible with no zero survival instincts and just die, you know? Right. Like, we, we even theorized the basic putty. Like, we were wondering if it was like, it just only knows to attack moving things and like it doesn't even know like what it's doing. You know what I mean? Like, it just really seems like the basic putty is just this sort of like, it's just sort of grabbing a lot and like just sort of like confusedly just sort of like lashing out at anything. Um, the Tanga is like, and then, like, the Z-Putty was not, like, a huge step up, you know, which is, like, typical of a lot of, uh, a, a lot of, like, superhero-y things where it's, like, the villain is, like, here's my new minion, you know, and it's, like, the, the super evil soldier Mark IV. It's better than the Mark III because there's a four on the end, you know, like, that was, like, the, the Z-Putties. Um, like, you didn't really get the impression that they were that much better. You got the impression that they were slightly smarter, but that was about it. The Tangas, that's a whole, it's like a whole new world of like, these guys seem very strong. Like the way that their costume is done, like they look tough. They can fly, which is like, that's a whole extra power set, you know? And they're obviously way, way smarter than any putty. They talk to each other and they're obviously like doing like battle planning actively, like, you know, like calling orders and stuff like, you know, you guys go over there. They, they, they have like strategies. Sometimes it's clear that they've prepped a strategy in advance and they're deploying it, which is like very like an impressive change that like the putties occasionally exhibited this kind of behavior. But the tangas like do this very consistently and with a lot of competence. Yep. Yep. I so. agree. And then as we enter into the Kimberly transition, mm. we get into follow that cab, which we've already extensively talked about along with uh, a different shade of pink. Again, follow that cab. Introduce the shark cycles, which only get used for like what four episodes, maybe something like that. The second worst power up, I would, I would say. Uh, yeah. As we as we get later into the season, they're they're just not that useful outside of like, hey, we have a monster of the week that is on wheels or can travel really fast, but it's a moving object, so we can't necessarily teleport, right? Yeah. The, the cat transition, the Kimberly to cat power exchange was great. Kimberly exhibit a lot of, like, maturity in this season. Though, I want to say it's hampered by the fact that she didn't break up with Tommy at the end. Yes, I still agree with that. Because she doesn't, like, overtly flirt with Tommy after she becomes a ranger. But still, like, even with Delphine at the end of it, with the alien rangers delphine like gives them like a really weird wink at the end and all this other stuff and tommy's like yeah let's go <laughs> whatever yeah. i'm just like bro come on like if tommy was single this would be all right but you're really not teaching kids like any right sort of lessons here about respecting relationships no or just like you know the the fact that like people just move apart because of stages in their life sometimes you know which is like the tommy kimberly situation like such a good opportunity to teach a positive lesson of just like hey you know like these people it's not that they didn't that they, they stopped caring about each other but it's just not going to work at this time you know because they're pursuing different things 
and like just showing like a you know something healthy to that i don't know um yeah it that the little bit of a letdown <laughs> yeah thankfully you know we don't get treated to more of like cap being overtly flirtatious with tommy afterward after the power transfer which is good but and then we cut into master vile and the metallic armor so rito and rita's dad <laughs> who is like a mutant right because it's revealed in like they don't outright say it but in in alien rangers zed calls him hey you're just another mutant like us so that means like they probably were like regular human beings or regular like humanoids or whatever who have transformed themselves using magic and uh, i guess whatever else experimenting on themselves to become the powerful beings that they are today yeah and uh, i get that suggestion yeah yeah and master vile is pretty legit he comes in yeah he claims uh Zed's yeah, territory. He, he definitely comes across as appropriately strong considering you know he's supposed to be like the the parent of these two incredibly strong evil characters that we already know he's already um, dominated a galaxy that uh used to have something called the zeo crystal on it the zeo crystal ended up being the only barrier in which master vile couldn't penetrate right he couldn't yeah. harness the power of that crystal because it sensed evil and if it detects evil within your soul you cannot like harness the power of the zeo crystal and so this was like his main like plot device to get him out of the way but it's still a fucking mission because he has the zeo crystal in his possession and the rangers are introduced to this new power-up called the metallic armor which they can only do for a limited time and essentially what it does is it makes their suit sparkly and it does like this like uh, solar flare-esque effect where everyone kind of gets blinded by their metallic armor and then, like, gets on the floor. Yeah, I mean, Master Vile, in general, I thought was a really good villain. I don't I don't particularly have, like, any problems with Master Vile. He seems appropriately power-leveled, like you said. His monster that mm -hmm. he introduces is Globor, who soaks up Ninjor's powers. And yeah. the main thing about this was, was that they held the Crane Zord like, Zed held the Crane Zord, and Master Vile's like, well, what the fuck have you done this whole entire time while the Rangers have been, like, you know, keeping you guys at bay? And Zed's telling him, he's like, dude, I got the Crane Zord, and I got Ninjor. Like, what are you talking about, brother? Yeah. I I'm doing amazing right now. What the fuck have you done? And uh, so he's like, oh, okay, well, give me Ninjor then. Because he was gonna, he was gonna have Globor soak up Ninjor's powers right then and there. I Rito drops the vase in which, in which Ninjor was in, and then Ninjor essentially pieces out. And it's like, God, it's like, God damn it, Rito, can't you do anything right? I'm like, well, <laughs> it's to be expected when you're asking your clumsy son to get you something that he's gonna drop it. And like, right. had you never showed up, had you never showed up. Ninjor would still be under like Zed's possession, you know? So it's like another yeah. act of like self-sabotage upon Master Vile's uh plot. But Master Vile's like, eh, it's whatever. I got this Globor monster that could soak up everyone's powers, so it's a-okay. Right? So he goes on to terrorize right. Ninjor, he goes on to terrorize the Rangers and soak up all their powers, and they don't know exactly what to do or how to combat it. Yeah. If I could just say master vile's like costume design incredible one of the legitimately like scariest looking villains we've seen so far i think a lot of these villains like sometimes they're just so goofy you couldn't even really possibly look at them and really be like ah you know um but like master vile is like freaky looking you know, he looks like an HR Geiger painting or something like like it, it's it's a really good design with like the little like monster mouths like nibbling at his like collarbone all the time. And like, just I don't know, the whole thing his like glowing eyes and like just 
he's just freaky. Like, he's just a weird-looking dude. And, like, I don't know. I really liked him a lot. I appreciated the introduction of Master Vile. I would, I want to say this is when I was noticing how everybody teleports, right? So, like, Goldar teleports by going up in flames and vanishing in thin air. Rito... He pops his head off. He pops his head off and, like, shrinks his body and then sends his body parts down to reform. Master Vile teleports in and out of areas that he needs to get to using his twin snakes that he has on his body. And it's really cool. It's a pretty cool effect. He's very sinister looking. And the fact that even Zed doesn't, like, even Zed's afraid of him. Like, Zed is yeah. well aware that Master Vile is of a higher power level than he is. Because every time Zed, like, starts to become full of himself again, like, even Goldar is like, shut the fuck up, Zed. Master Vile is the one in charge now. Yeah. Well, I think this actually touches on something really important that Season 3 does in general, which is that it opens up the universe in this new way. Um, where you suddenly have the sense that everything is way bigger um, and it starts with actually the the pre-intro, the non-canon season beginning, uh, which is the crossover with the Masked Rider, which we haven't even talked about before. I watched that because I just wanted to. Um, <laughs> you will, I'm so, letting you know right now, Kennedy, we are not watching Masked Rider. It's fine. It is I don't not, care. We are not. I, I repeat, listeners at home. We're not watching Masked Rider. I will watch Common Rider Black, and I will watch Common Rider Black RX, but I am not watching Masked Rider. I know for a fact <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I, but <laughs> all that aside, um, the crossover with the Masked Rider at the beginning, and then the alien rangers from Aquatar at the end, and then also like Rito and Master Vile... And all of this other stuff. Oh, and like uh, Count, whatever his name is, the other villain at the beginning with uh, the mask that's the mask writer's villain. Like all of that stuff. Oh, and Ninjor too. All of that stuff together in season three, suddenly the Power Rangers universe has expanded so much, right? Like we suddenly have this really different sense compared to before. It felt like the Power Rangers might be this sort of unique anomaly that only existed here and that Zordon was like solely responsible for their creation possibly. Now it's clear that Zordon is not responsible for the creation of the Power Rangers. He's just merely like the caretaker of them now in effect, you know? Um, and it's like, you know, no, Ninjor is the one who made these Zords. And it starts to be implied that, oh, you know, like uh, Ninjor made Zords for other folks, but also there's other powers that people have that didn't come from Ninjor. Just that sense of like the 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 universe, like the camera kind of panning out and showing this wider universe, and like implying like this greater struggle of good versus evil that exists throughout it. Um, I thought was really cool, and like it, it's exciting, and it sets up well for the future of the Power Rangers as this continued franchise. Because now you know, Zed's not the highest power level villain. The Power Rangers aren't necessarily the highest power level heroes. All all of these things are now just like out the window, basically. Yeah, I do like the fact that a lot of the threats seem to be intergalactic now. And it, it is really cool when you think about it, how much, like, the world has expanded in the realm of the Power Rangers. Yeah. Um, and it definitely, like I say, for the purposes of moving forward, it's really good because you really have the sense now that, like, okay, yeah, if they defeat Rita and Zed, that doesn't mean that, like, everything's good forever. We can pretend like everything's fine, never worry again, no more Power Rangers, right? Like... It's it's like it's making it clear that like that that isn't coming, you know? Yeah, and Master Vile brings with him like this villain, this you would think is just the monster of the week, Master Vile being the overarching villain now. No. Like the villain that he brings is extremely strong. Because Globor saps away the powers of Ninjor, makes it his own, and anytime you attacked Globor, you would attack Ninjor essentially. Yeah. Until Ninja is able to free himself from, from captivity, right? And so yeah. like the Rangers become defeated. It's up to essentially Tommy and Kat 
to go get the Zeo Crystal away from their lunar base to essentially have a way to thwart Master Vile's plans. Tommy <clears throat> is able to get the Zeo Crystal away from the lunar base, shatters it into five, but only upon navigating this like cave of deception, right? Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty great scene. Yeah. And he has to contend with the fact that he used to be evil at one point. Because yeah. you have to be pure of heart to be able to get the Zeo Crystal on some Kingdom Hearts shit, right? And so, yeah. like, <laughs> and so, like, he gets. Oh my God. Oh my God. This really is some Kingdom Hearts shit. Think about it. How often do they Tommy's nord a Riku. boy? Right. He was norded. Stop <laughs> 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 the parallels are uncanny. <laughs> We've already decided that Power Rangers and, and Lovecraft Country might share a universe. Now who knows how... <laughs> oh my god, dude. Oh my god, dude. Tommy, Tommy becomes the evil Green Ranger again and Jason pops back on the scene. And, 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 Tom, and Tommy's on an island in his Green Ranger outfit with the evil sword. And he's like, Jason, join me. <laughs> and Jason's like, no! <laughs> As a giant monster pops up on Angel Grove and destroys the town and envelops it in darkness. <laughs> Dude, that needs to be a fucking fan film right now. Now. Holy now. shit, Now. Brother. That okay. would be amazing. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tommy grapples with his past self. Yeah. His past evilness. His past evilness. Kat grapples with her past evilness because she doesn't want to be yeah. evil anymore. She's serving yeah. up to be a distraction. To, also got uh, norted. Yeah, she, she's serving up as a distraction to Zed and Rita uh, saying that she wants to be evil again. And so they're like, oh, okay, well, if that's the case, we're going to throw you in this machine to make you pure evil then. So she's like, I don't really want to go through with this, but I have to. It's obvious. It's very obvious that the writers had an overarching plot this whole entire season with the Zeo crystals, with the intergalactic threats, because as soon as Tommy shatters those Zeo crystals, guess what you see? You see the star, which we know already because we live in the future that Power Ranger Zeo has the star Red Ranger. So I thought that that was really cool that they thought about that ahead of time. Yeah. It seemed like they had a lot of foresight, despite how, like, shitty Alien Rangers was. Yeah. With the end of Master Vile and the metallic armor, we not only get treated to these awesome sequences of, like, Tommy and Kat dealing with their past, but also Master Vile is fucking gloating like he is almost like the evil god of revelry here because at this point in time with the success of Globor uh, having sapped away the ranger's powers for the most part and having sapped away Ninjor and claiming victory he's essentially doing one last party for earth to have and bulk and skull are like doing the conga line with a bunch of monsters as is the rest of the last humans in angel grove who are there and Master Bell's like, yeah, let's party. This is the last party you will ever have. <laughs> it, it's a fun time. Like I said, everybody on screen is having a lot of fun this season. It seemed like Master Vile won because he put all the Zords in a different galaxy. I'm guessing the M51 galaxy mm -hmm. uh, and kind of coated them in an environment that rusted the <laughs> fuck out of them. So the Zords were essentially using the Zeo Crystal's power to activate destructive beams on Earth. And the Power Rangers had to gain mm. control of the Zords before yeah. it was too late. But like, yeah. as soon as they were like, I hope it's not too late, the Zords already fired a beam at Earth, like causing some destruction. There's like some destruction shots that happen. So yeah. before there's like more beams that could be fired, the rangers are able to activate the zords and restore them back. And seemingly, Master Vile enlarges himself, and Ninjor comes through in battle mode to help provide support. Ninjor and the rangers defeat him, 
And Master Val is retreats into his space skull and swears that the Power Rangers and Earth have not heard the last of him. And like I said, Master Vile, Zed, Rita, Rito, Goldar, these five have amazing chemistry on screen at this point. I think yeah. that they truly did a good job with writing all of these characters. They're an excellent foil to the Rangers, I think. Like, because they keep the Rangers on their toes this season more so than others. Before this season, we kind of always got the feeling, oh, no matter what, the Rangers will always prevail. And, like, sometimes we'll get, like, that weird three-parter or something like that where, you know, the Rangers, for some reason, the, the enemies get some sort of power boost or is able to sneakily sneak away with the dub, but then the Rangers always come out on top. No. They're frequently kept on their toes and act as an amazing foil to them. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. There's also a couple of other episodes before we get into... There's, like, one more episode before we get into Rangers in the Reverse, which is the Song of Discordia. I don't really have too much to say about that episode. It's just okay. <laughs> like, yeah. what do you think? Was there anything uh, in that episode that you particularly wanted to talk about? Uh, no, that's the one that it's just all about that monster whose voice controls people. Yeah. Or specifically the, the, the female rangers, right? Yeah, it's specifically the final yeah. appearance of Titanus yeah. and the ninja Megazord. Yeah, which is, I mean, rip Titanus. I mean... I'm sorry to see you go. It's an average episode. Um, it's the final appearance of Ninjor. But uh, even according to the wiki, his official departure from the series is not explained. And then we get into Rangers in Reverse, which is essentially the beginning to Alien Rangers Episode Zero, where Master Vile finally concocts like his best plan yet, which is to uh, pull off a Superman 1-style level event of spinning the Earth in its reverse axis, which subsequently makes time go by backwards. And uh, they they go back in 10 years in time. Like we've stated before in the previous episode of this podcast, it's super messy. It's a huge plot hole. And Master Vile seemingly shoots himself in the foot because this was actually a pretty pogged episode to end on. Right? Because like sure. Master, Master Vile, he's got the upper hand. Rita and Zed both come down to Earth and enlarge themselves. And they're like, fuck yeah, let's fucking go! They start terrorizing shit. They start breaking shit and everything. So the Rangers are like, oh my god, we're powerless. We can't contact Zordon because our communicators aren't working. And this is 10 years in the past. So what are we going to do? It was an excellent episode to end on. It had that sort of like, Hey guys, we listened to Kennedy T. Cooper over here. Um, he said he wanted an episode that was amazing to end on that wasn't just like a slice of life episode. Let's let's throw him a bone. And so they ended on Rangers in Reverse. Me. Yeah. Just for me. We cut into Alien Rangers, which we talked about extensively, but I think the one thing that we didn't talk about extensively was the end to Alien Rangers. Right. Which was that uh, this whole entire time uh, after Master Vile has left, he's already tried to implode the command center, which in the show, like, I think it's Rito or Goldar. I think it's Rito who asks, like, what's the difference between this and causing an explosion? And he's like, well, it's like an explosion, but worse. What? Okay. No. All right. Yeah, um, okay. Alpha 5 kind of says, like, hey, guys, if I don't make it, there will be an Alpha 6. Don't worry about and it. And we actually see some Alpha parts in the basement when uh, Goldar and Rito are wandering around, just yeah. to add to that. Yeah, the way Alien Rangers ends, Goldar and Rito are successful, right? Like, yeah. they're able to cause an implosion inside the command center. and. The Rangers are like, holy shit, what the fuck do we do? And Zordon is immediately like, guys, get out of here. And he warps them all out of here. And you don't know what's going to happen to Alpha 5 and Zordon. It ends on the explosion. It's a pretty awesome like season finale leading up I to loved it. what's eventually Power Rangers Zia. It's ultimately like that and episode two of Alien Rangers are the best part of Alien Rangers. Rita successfully got the the zeo crystal like goldar goldar and rito got the zeo crystal yeah. away from the mm -hmm. rangers 
So we don't even know mm -hmm. like if the Rangers got their powers yet or whatever. So yeah, the Zeo crystal's gone. The command center is destroyed. The Rangers don't know what they're gonna do, and the Equations just left. And and without Zordon, they don't they won't even be able to get in touch with them again. Alien Rangers overall very mediocre. That scene, ten out of ten. Like, like yeah. just the the Rangers ending with the Rangers just shocked watching the command center like blow up in front of them is amazing. Props to the Alpha Five actor or voice actor. I don't know if it was two different people or what, because Alpha Five has consistently like had this sort of mannerism when he's upset and like panicked that is like sort of akin to like um an angry chef at a restaurant or something in my mind where it's like here's somebody who's like freaking out but ultimately deep and down in their heart they know that they're not freaking out about anybody like dying or something well, see, you know see the computers um, is his like pots and pans the <laughs> buttons are the ingredients and he just puts it all together to make it happen He's always had that attitude before of like, yes, things are going very wrong and I'm stressed, but ultimately I know that what I'm stressed about is not like, no, it's not life or death. That's how Alpha 5 has seemed when he seemed panicked in general before, even during some pretty like scary stuff. Alpha 5 has seemed conf relatively confident deep down that things will kind of turn out. Alpha 5 sounds so scared when the command center is blowing up. It's actually amazing, like serious props to the voice actor. This is a character that always sounds panicked, and yet he sounded so much more terrified in that final moment. Yeah, and he seems to be okay with the afterlife for himself. You know, like, yeah. he's, he's alluded to the fact before that, hey, if I go, it's okay that I go. There will be an Alpha 6, you know? So the fact yeah. that even he's panicked because, okay, let, let's just talk about Zordon and Alpha 5 this season really quick. Because I know mm -hmm. we, we, we've discussed the villains at length. And we're going to get into our Ranger rankings like how we normally do for in a second. But yeah, Alpha 5 and Zordon this season take more of an active role. Like they've taken a backseat on the mentorship role, it seems like, and just let the Rangers kind of lead their own way. And Zordon never really says to the Rangers, hey, guys, like you need to do X, Y, and Z. It's always the Rangers do what they want. And he's just like, just understand the consequences of your actions. That's it. That's Zordon's yeah. main moral lessons in this season. But, but, two instances I can tell where he forced himself, he like, hasted, like he made a decision on the fly, regardless of what the Rangers said. One was when the Rangers were all small or whatever, he, uh, and Billy, um, Billy made himself an adult again. Zordon basically said, listen to Billy. Like, you guys are letting your emotions run high, you know, and everything, and it's because you're kids. Listen to yeah. Billy. Follow our directions right now. Because right now, you are back to being kids, and you guys are much more hormonal, and you guys don't have that mentality. You know, just because you, you have a lived experience or whatever of being 10 years older, your brain isn't working the same way as it once did. Yeah. So he was pretty he was pretty on the nose about that. And the end, he was like, they were like, Well, Zordon, what about you and Alpha Five? And he's like, No, go, go, get out of here. And Alpha Five like warps them out of there against their wishes. That's how the season fucking ends. And it's fucking wild. It's absolutely wild. I I yeah. I, I love it. It's it's a great season finisher. It's the season finisher I've been waiting for, like I kind of, you know, said in the last episode. Maybe I'm unhappy with various aspects of Alien Rangers as a whole, but that final moment, leaving it like that, that's perfect. That's what I've been waiting for. Yeah, this was the episode <laughs> you've been waiting for. And uh, with that being said, before we get into, you know, rating the season overall and our final thoughts, let's go into Ranger rankings. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, so... At first, I was going to say, let's not include the Aquitian Rangers, but the Aquitian Rangers have gotten enough screen time to warrant them being in the rankings. Sure. So, who realistically, like they've had as much as Cat almost, right? <laughs> so, from worst to best, all of the Rangers combined into one pool for season three. From worst to best, where do you want to start? Who's your first all pick right. for worst? 
right, so Rocky is clearly the worst. I agree. Right? This isn't even a question. If y'all thought Jason was a stale piece of bread, Jason seems like fucking fireworks going off compared to Rocky. Like, my God, what a boring Red Ranger. Rocky is not interesting at any time for any reason ever. Yeah. <laughs> he has no motivations as a character. He doesn't really have any plot lines that affect the overall arcs, like big arcs that happen in this season. Just terrible. I really don't like him at all. Uh, no, I, he, he's, very bad. He's had way, way more than enough opportunities to prove himself in the grand context of things. His best line was at the end when he hit himself on the head. <laughs> I can't even remember the line. I just remember laughing and going, wow, Rocky, that was your best line. He yeah. constantly just, he just stands there, dude. Bad. He's just chilling. He's just straight chilling. Bad. He has his average high schooler life. And he's like, you know what? On the side, I'm a Power Ranger. And that's all I do. All right. After Rocky, it's it's like the three Equation Rangers that we can't remember the names of because they weren't two. cool. Two. Uh, I would say the Yellow Ranger is a little bit above the other two just because the Yellow Ranger has a little bit more screen time and he's a little funny. I can't remember his name either, but yeah. Yeah. Whoever the Red Ranger was on the Equation Ranger had zero voice lines or anything and uh, <laughs> outside of the Ranger outfits and uh, he still did better than Rocky, which is saying so. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad that I'm rating all of the low-tier Equations above Rocky. I think after that, unfortunately, I really don't want to say this, but it's it's just true. I think it's Adam. Where the fuck was Adam this season? That's it, right? Like it's not about it's not about the actor who we've already agreed we like. It's not about the character who we've already agreed we like. It's about the fact that like Adam had like four percent more screen time, like significant, meaningful screen time than Rocky this season. It felt like so. Yeah, Adam, you know, he's next. Then at this point, it gets a little harder because now we're getting into like characters, like basically all the other characters were like kind of interesting in some fashion, I feel. I would, I would probably put the blue Aquitian Ranger above Adam. You're talking about uh, Sestro. Yeah, yeah Sestro. Sestro could be above Adam, I think, for sure. Yeah. Um, probably he's Delphine not, like, above that. Yeah, probably Delphine above that. Or even, she might even almost, I don't know. I don't think she would outrank anyone else, but it's close. Because she's a very cool leader. She might um, be a better leader than Tommy this season. <laughs> I mean, if we were just, if Tommy just was getting pound for pound the same amount of screen time, I don't think it would be close, actually. Like, if Delphine had just been a character through the whole season, she would be better than Tommy. Tommy it's only morphing time! I love it, Tommy's dude. Only edging out Delphine because of sheer hours of screen time. That's it. Yeah, um, actually. Well, I don't know, dude. Billy kind of took a backseat this season too, man. I feel like Billy at least shown in a few key areas, which I'll get into in a second. But Tommy, I think, would have to be next. He's just above Delphine or maybe even below her. I swear to God. I swear to God. Like... <laughs> Like, Delphine is actually a very cool character for the time that we get to see her, whereas Tommy is not that exciting this season. Yeah, Tommy's um, not I, that exciting this season. He frequently acted like an asshole. He was yeah. not a good role model this season either. For someone who's no. supposed to be, like, the team leader peak role model, dude, he did a lot of questionable shit this season. Seemed like he was at, at his weakest so far, probably. So, yeah, it's... Maybe they're tied. Let's let's say they're tied. Tommy and Delphine are next after Sestro. Which then is above fucking them, awful because Delphine I, had 10 episodes. Even 10 if episodes. That, nine, nine episodes. Nine, right. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, But now let's get into some characters that actually had good moments, okay? So I think... Um, I think it's Billy next. I'm actually going to say I think it's... And I you know think, me, I'm a Billy stan. I know, but I do think Billy actually deserves a little, well, I don't know. I, I'm trying to decide right now. Like, I'm kind of juggling Billy and Kimberly for I... this next slot a little bit. But I think Kimberly edges it out. I think she got a little bit more of, like, the treatment that we always wanted her to get. 
I'm this not gonna season. lie, dude. Like, so. I think Kimberly is like top two this season, and I'm I'm gonna give you why. She had way more screen time this season. For someone who exited the way she did, she exited towards the middle of the season. She had a really good send off. She had a lot of really strong moments, even despite the fact that she's clueless to like Tommy being a shithead for the <laughs> most part. She had the funniest moments on screen. She yeah, had the true. strongest moments on screen when it came to like true. power transfers. She acted like the adult in the room a lot of the time that she was there. So hmm, I'm thinking maybe it's I'm thinking maybe it's from here up. It's Billy, then Kat, then Aisha, then Kimberly, maybe? If if the we're good to three, go with the way you're the feeling top, about it. I think the top three is really hard. They're kind of tied. Yeah. So They're for me, tied. I think the next up is Billy after that. Um, but like, man, dude, talk about an excellent season for the women in the show. Yeah. Like, I know I said that at the beginning, but like, oh my mm -hmm. God, dude, Kimberly was strong. Aisha, the, the reason why I have a hard time giving Aisha the top spot is because outside of Stop the Hate Master, she took a backseat. Her and Billy, True. her and Billy, took a, she didn't take as much of a backseat as like Adam because like Adam had zero shine moments. But Stop the Hate Master was like a 10 out of 10 for a two-parter. That was like a like a nine to a ten out of ten two parter. She um, also gets the good Zeo quest. She gets she's the only one with a good Zeo quest. She has an amazing send off. Yeah, I mean those moments were strong. I think yeah. when you get towards the top, I, I, I have to like if they didn't put Aisha in the backseat, she would damn near be. She would probably be the top ranger. Like if she had more moments to shine, she would be the yeah. top ranger this season. But because they're like squirted everything out and stopped the hate master and then like did it again in alien rangers she yeah. has to go at number three and yeah. i think it's literally the two the two pink rangers duke it out for number one i'm gonna give it to cat personally interesting i i was tempted to but i think that she just didn't if, it, if she had a little bit more time i think i would probably say for sure yes i'm with you I just can't quite give it to her because I think Kimberly got the more significant story moments, you know, of the two of them. Like Kimberly really got to develop as a character um, in a significant way here through the end of season three. And I think she deserves that top slot just the tiniest bit more as a character. But it's damn close because Kat, we talked about this before, but from the moment Kat is introduced, she actually seems kind of cool. Interesting, you know. Like power in that same way that Tommy, when he shows up, it's kind of like, ooh, look, look at this, look at this strong, tough, like interesting dude, Tommy. Like Kat gets that same kind of introduction, and then she relatively lives up to it wellish. So yeah, I mean, I'm gonna give Kimberly number one personally, but it's so damn close. I can agree to that. Like I'm I'm mulling it over in my head, and like the more I think about Kimberly's, like the thing is. Cat is consistently like an eight out of ten character. Like every time she's on screen, she delivers a fantastic performance. She doesn't really have bad acting chops at all. Yeah. Uh, even when they give her corny moments, that literally, if you gave this to any other '90s actor on television, this would be the corniest shit in the world, dude. Yeah. The problem is, is like her peak. Her peaks isn't as high as Kimberly's peaks. Right. I think by next season, if Kat gets a chance to shine and she's kept on in Zeo, because I don't remember for sure exactly what happens at the beginning of Zeo here, uh, we'll find out very soon. You'll find out with us, lovely listeners. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if Kat's still in for you know next season, then I think if Kat gets some moments to shine, it could be really, really good. I agree. Man, dude, yeah. like, I almost... It's so tough, dude. It's so tough, but I, I have to agree, like, Kimberly had an amazing send-off. The only thing I got to say that's, like, pretty sucky is the fact that she went through, like, this really creepy German old guy who's an Olympic... Yeah, that was... An Olympic uh, tutor or whatever. And I'm just like, man, dude, like... I it thought... sucks, too, because I thought her story of, like, you know, wanting to, like, go back to her dream of being a gymnast was actually good, you know? And I think that the, the way it was handled with, like, 
you know, it's like she loses her powers and then she's sort of like a hostage, you know, in the cab situation. And like, she's sort of like going through all this stress and it's like, you sort of have this impression that Kimberly is sitting herself down. And unfortunately this doesn't happen directly on camera as much as it should, but you definitely have this impression that she's sitting herself down and just being like, what do I really want? Uh, like I said, the only the only thing that's a letdown to me with that is that it's not quite enough of the the important emotional bits happen on camera. You get some of it, but like it could have been a little better. Um, and then yeah, the weird German instructor guy that was a really we didn't need that at all. Like she could have just been like, guys, um, I have the opportunity to be in the international, uh, you know, competition. She could have did tryouts. She could have did tryouts, um, flexed her right. gymnast muscles. The judges could have been like, 10 out of 10, you're invited to the international whatever. And then she's like, oh, God, do I do it or do I stay a power rate? You know, and that's, you know, it's just it's you just simplify that a little bit and it's better anyway. Yeah, but I do think Kimberly, you know, overall still she's a really strong character this season. And for a character that we've been waiting for her to have a moment to shine, I'm glad she got it before she went. Because as we've seen, especially with all the problems behind the scenes of making this show, not every character gets that on Power Rangers. Some characters get booted out and get no resolution to their stories. Yeah. So even if they so, don't like, yeah. even if they're not like an actual human being, like even the Super Sentai characters who just appear on screen or whatever, like Ninjor didn't even get a proper like send off. Yeah. That, that I'm sure had nothing to do with like a an actor related <laughs> problem, you know? But I also yeah. want to say, before we end this Ranger discussion, I hate how they did Billy this season. They put him into, like, IT support role towards the end. They destroyed all of the power coins. Goldar and Rito got a hold of all of the power coins and destroyed it, including Billy's. So Billy has no powers. And he's strictly stuck doing, like, IT support roles. And they'll put him near, like, near action sequences... But he can't do anything. Like, the Tangas just immediately, like, fuck him up. From here on out, even though Billy is still technically a part of the team, that's it for his character. This is this is the end of, of Billy's, like, forever blue, I will always love you, love affair that I have with this character, unfortunately. I will say, I did think Billy got a couple moments to shine, though, that I appreciated. One in particular was that right at the end, he like basically he realizes that and it's done a little goofy because it's a kid's show but still he realizes that this explosion is going to maybe like hit everyone and he sort of dives in the way of it right at the end and i think like that like although billy didn't get a lot he did get some moments like that where it was like we got to kind of confirm that like billy is one of the most upstanding characters in this group even though like yes they're all relatively moral and all that we've seen shades of morality within these power rangers and billy is like extremely upstanding in this season um now maybe he wasn't so much last season but by this time it's like he has definitely like taken on like a new stance towards like his morals and like just he's he just seems like resolute yeah I agree, but I just don't think that those character moments rank him anywhere above any of the women this season. No. No. So overall, what are your thoughts on season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? What What is your thoughts and your ratings? I think season three is maybe the best season we've watched so far. The production levels are a lot higher. Things are like a lot more consistent. Um, the writing is better. Uh, there's just a there's just a relatively high level of consistency. However, I don't know if like the best moments of this season eclipse the best moments of previous seasons. Like this is an overall really high quality season, but it it was hard for me to like look at an episode and be like that's a ten. Um, or even nines felt a little reluctant for me to be honest. So if I have to rate the season as a whole. It's probably just like a solid seven. Like, it's here. It brought it. It's good enough. Watch it. <laughs> okay, so the biggest caveat I've ever given, and I've given out a lot of caveats here in Sentai Trooper Club, <laughs> without Alien Rangers, this is like an eight. 
I think consistently every episode, almost every episode has been like an eight out of 10. Uh, I know I've given out nines and tens with like stop the hate master and the potion notion. Those are more or less like life lessons episodes, like specifically stop the hate master was a good life lesson episode and dealt with like class issues really well. The potion notion is like the ultimate fan service episode. I love yeah. it a lot. It's the funniest episode. Is the best action episode in this season? No. No. It's just not here. The action sequences are more consistently good. They're very entertaining to watch. The ninja ranger power-up is really fun to watch. But yeah. unfortunately, towards the back half, they introduce too much shit that's just not yeah. as exciting. And because of that, it kind of weighs down the action sequences more. But the slice of life stuff was a, was a lot better, too. So... It's really weird, but the good part about it is that it's consistent. The quality yes. of every episode, for the most part, is consistent at like a solid eight. There's but, and also there's like there's like almost no episodes outside of Alien Rangers that are below like a five. Yeah. You know, like whereas like season one and two definitely have some like episodes that are like ones. <laughs> yeah. But Alien Rangers. <laughs> that 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 miniseries is so fucking bad, dude. It drags it down. Like, I think this is why Saban was like, oh, it's its own thing. Because <laughs> he wanted to hide the fact that this existed. But, dude, it's really fucking bad. It drags it down to, like, a six, unfortunately, if you include the Alien Rangers. But, I mean, if you're just watching it on Netflix and you just watch season three on its own... Yeah, man. It's like an eight with Alien Rangers. It's like a six. Is there any like final thoughts you wanted to give about this season? I think I've said all I have to say. Um, if I'm going to recap in any way, I'll just say again. I think that the, the very best aspect of season three is expanding the universe. It's, uh, it's widening the scope. It's showing us that there's other heroes and other villains um, and other powers and other things. And I just really like that fascination kept me excited even through the dullest moments. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you on this, and I look forward to what Power Rangers Zeo has to offer. Ah, uh, yeah. All right, Rangers. Until next time, thank you so much for joining us. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them, and as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you. <laughs>